podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Garrett Diamond. He's a software developer, entrepreneur, and development consultant. In 2008, he created Sifter, a hosted bug and issue tracking application built with Ruby on Rails. In July 2010, he began working on Sifter full-time. In March of 2016, he sold Sifter to focus on recovering from medical issues that ultimately led to a left baloney amputation. In 2013, he wrote the first edition of Starting and Sustaining, a book that addresses logistics and lessons learned of starting and successfully running a hosted web application as a solo founder bootstrapping. So, Garrett, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Yeah, of course. I am eager to hear about some of your current projects and your experiences with your past business. I want to save that for the end of the podcast, though. Right now, we're going to kick things off by asking you about a new business idea that you have. The entire format of this podcast is to help our listeners see how you think through a new business idea and actually get that opportunity to start this new business. So that is what we're driving toward here. We want you to share an idea and the exact action steps that our listeners can take to launch that. First question for you is, tell us about a problem you're seeing in the world today. The one specifically that uh, caught my interest lately was when I was coming up with a name for Adaptable, which is going to be an online site to help other amputees be more active. And I knew there was, there's just so many words, adaptive, adaptable, adapt, other phrases around disability, strength, activity. And I needed to come up with a name, but I knew I really wanted to take the time and get a good domain name. and so. I searched, I used lean domain search and some of the others that are out there and they're all right. But the problem is they're all kind of dumb in that they don't really do much. And I wanted to, you know, and there's so many TLDs now that it's really difficult to sift through a batch of ideas. So I ended up writing a Ruby script to take a batch of adjectives, verbs, adverbs, nouns, and concatenate them in creative ways and try them with the different TLDs. And then at the bottom, I had a scoring algorithm. So I'd see how many characters is in the domain, how many syllables, and I would rank them all and then do costs, right? So like, it doesn't have to be a, a domain that I can go register. It, I was okay spending money and going um, somewhere like Brand Bucket or one of those where you can buy a domain from them and just be done with it. And so I ranked everything, I factored in price, and came up with a score. And so it gave me um, a whole list, and I would eliminate things and say, this one sounds really ridiculous, I'm never going to use it, and so it would go in an exclusion list. I did this all in a Ruby script, because I wasn't going to go build a new site for it, I was focused on this um, my nonprofit idea. But after I built it, it just felt like there's so much room for domain searching to be smarter. And to be able to say, like, it's important to me that it's short or that it's one word or that it's less than three syllables or that it's a dot com or what, what have you. There's so many. Everything's 
different depending on like for me, org was totally okay because it was going to be a nonprofit. Um, and every search is so different. I think that you could pretty easily build a web interface that would do this. There's some challenges because doing a domain lookup for a thousand domains doesn't work. And I forget which one it is. One of them actually downloads the whole, so they have a data local database of the entire what's registered, what's not. And I think they update it daily or weekly or whatever. So it's not always 100% accurate, but it's fast because it's local. But then that's just for like .coms. To run against all the other TLDs, it gets more complicated. But I feel like there's a whole opportunity for helping people find good, relevant domain names, letting them kind of generate their own simple rules engine and priorities, and then dump out a list to say, hey, here's a list of potential names ranked by all the things that are important to you. And then you can either manually go down the list and eliminate some or kind of riff on one that you like but isn't available um, and kind of spin off from there. And I feel like you build a simple interface for that and it would totally help people find much better domains instead of settling for some of the completely garbage, weird domains that are impossible to remember. The downside is I see a little bit more of a challenge around revenue because not a lot of people register a bunch of domain names. It would either have to have some sort of affiliate program, which I don't love, or um, involve advertising or subscriptions. But I feel like subscriptions would be difficult because unless you're registering a ton of domain names and building a ton of things right and left, it's probably not practical. So there's a little bit of downside from a revenue standpoint, but I love if it goes offline, you don't have to worry about it. Like you just bring it back up when you get a chance. It's not like it's an app that thousands of people are depending on and, you know, like Slack or something where when it goes offline, the whole internet tweets about it. Yeah, this is, I, I love this idea. It's definitely a need that I've encountered. I'm surprised it doesn't exist yet, which is. Well, there's, there's variants out there, right? There's a bunch of them out there, a bunch. Um, but most of them do really naive concatenation or like they'll pluralize a word or they add great in front of it. That's not always useful, right? Like, and so it's these standard kind of really basic algorithms that kind of spit out a bunch of dumb phrases and it wasn't useful. I want to come back to those, but I I think that we may need to back up for people who don't deal with domain registration on a regular basis. Can you paint a picture for us on why this is such a problem? It seems like if you're out there and you want to register a domain, you should be able to pretty quickly type something into Google and say, is this available? And, you know, choose something relatively fast. Right. So validating that something's available is easy. Registering it. There's so many great registrars now. That's easy. The hard part is the creative side, right? So like this is less of a technical thing and more of a creative thing. So like you're designing a logo. You create hundreds of variants and explore all these options. And you're like, I really like this. And you kind of go off in that direction. But with domain names, you can't really do that. There's a handful of services that take whatever word you give them and put great in front of it or good or you know whatever. They might change the TLD from com to net to IO, but they don't help you proactively like branch out and think of ideas for your domain name that you wouldn't have otherwise come up with on your own. And if I can be explicit about a problem that is obvious to you probably, but a lot of the good domain names are taken. Right. But with all the new TLDs, there's a lot of good stuff. And right now, I mean, .com is still obviously kind of the end all be all if you can get it. That gets expensive. I don't think it's necessarily worth it for a lot of things. 
And when you've got 50 to 100 other TLDs, a lot of which are really great TLDs for the right product, it's not a problem to kind of drift away from the standard.com domain. And if it gets successful, like so many apps, you see them, they have the .com now, but eight years ago when they launched and for their first five years, they didn't have it until they made enough money to go buy it. That's okay, I think. This is more like, how do you quickly get to a point where you've got a domain name that you can at least feel comfortable with, that people can remember and return to, and just get started? There's just nothing that really kind of ranks and scores it. Yeah, I could see some interesting variants on this too. Like maybe it asks you to input a paragraph instead of just a couple words, right? And you like explain what your business does and it uses some algorithms to kind of piece together some of that information. Or maybe when people get results, there's some way of them upvoting and downloading them just generally when they see stuff, you know, favoriting it or whatnot. And you could be looking for patterns in the ones that people seem to like more than others, you know, is it the shorter ones, the one that involve, you know, actual words, the ones that have a, a miss, you know, a purposeful misspelling, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think I think there's some room for some interesting interesting variations on this. And I just uh, totally aside, I want to define for our listeners what TLD means because I don't think we said explicitly. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think you can, why, don't, why don't you tell us what a TLD is? So TLD is your top level domain. So com, net, org, io, dev, page, all the and all the other ones that are out there now. Um, so it's what your domain name is. Yeah, and for those people who aren't aware, a lot will be, but there's a they just what in the past few years made a ton more than there used to be. It used to be com org. And, it's been opening yeah. up and okay. Yeah, we are runwithit.fm, which I've seen a, a few podcasters use the .fm uh, TLD. Right. So I mean, that's a great example, right? You're if you're starting a podcast and you want, you're like, I just want to see .fm and .com. Don't show me any other domains. I want to describe before those TLDs all opened up. At least for me, it used to take a very long time to settle on a domain name because you would go onto a service, you type in something that you, you spend all that creative time coming up with a name that you love. And then you go in there like, oh, this is the perfect domain name for my business. And then you type it in and you curse yourself because it's not available. Best case Actually, in my opinion, someone is using it, which that makes me feel a little bit better. But sometimes someone is just sitting on it, meaning they have this plot of land, of internet land that they're not using, but they have decided that would be valuable. Someone else would want to use it and they might charge 2000 bucks on the lower end. Some of the higher ones would be way more than that. So then you go through this process and then, you know, you kick yourself for getting attached to a domain name that's not available and you go back to the drawing board with the creative process and it's a, it's this horribly frustrating exercise. Is that correct? I mean, it it works both ways, right? Like any of the traditional finding somebody who's got one and reaching out to them and paying a ton for it is, is still viable. I mean, that's what I ended up doing with adaptable. The person had it already and I reached out didn't hear back for like two months. I'd written it off. It was literally the top of my list. Or actually, no, .com was initially. I don't know. It's one of those things where they're squatting on it and they had this pipe dream and they were never going to do it. So I ended up continuing the search on and off. On Basically, I'd get up on you know, Saturday mornings and just kind of go hack and look for domain names for about a month. Then I stopped and gave up because I was like, oh, I really wanted Adaptable and that's not available. And none of these others are really, you know. So I 
kind of back off. And then um, out of nowhere, the guy that owned adaptable.org reached out and he's like, do you still want this? And I'm like, well, maybe. How much? I want to say it'd be like $1,200. Okay. So, which certainly a lot, um, especially for a nonprofit <laughs> that I'm never going to make any money off of. You know, it was one of those things that was really important to me. I really wanted to get the right domain name, something that people could and would remember who weren't necessarily technical, something short. It worked and, you know, I'm definitely happy with it. But you can imagine that for people who are looking to start a new business, they don't necessarily want to invest $1,200. You've had the experience to know what you're doing, but people who are dipping their toes into creating business, I wouldn't recommend them spending $1,200 right. to get a domain name. If you exclude the ones that you'd have to pay for, then it becomes exponentially more difficult to find an acceptable one. You know, it is and it isn't. Um, it can be easy to find a bunch of options um, for a handful of ideas um, I had lately that are around email and some development work I'm doing. There was more choices than I knew what to do with. It was actually kind of hard to narrow it down. And I didn't bother with that. It wasn't quite as significant. So I didn't like run it through my whole Ruby script. But you know, it, it, the challenge can be really, okay, I've got 20. Now I need to choose one, which one's the right one. And kind of the paradox of choice, right? When you have the other problem. So having a way to help a machine help you score it and give you a little more confidence that like, wow, this one scored way higher than all the others. I should go with it. And like, maybe that helps you get over the, over, you know, over the edge and feel good about it. So let's, uh, let's keep rolling with this. Tell us about that solution then a little bit more. Yeah, I was, I was trying to pull up and see if I could find the script, but no, of course I can't because I haven't used it in forever. The idea was we all are familiar with verbs, adverbs, nouns, and how they work together. Adjectives work good in front of nouns, adverbs, you know. And so what I did is I created an array or a list, basically, for the non-technical folks of each of those types of words. Then what I did set, you know, in the script, put these together, put all the combinations, every single possible combination of adjective plus noun plus one of the TLDs. So .com, .org, and it would generate a huge list. And I would have to visually kind of go down and say, well, that totally doesn't make sense because those two words don't go together. They don't sound well together. Or like this word ends with an N and that word begins with an N and you don't want that because then that completely throws people off. And so then in some cases, I just manually put them in, in a list and say, these are bad. I don't want to see them in my list again. Other times it would be something like letters butting up against each other. And so I could write a rule that would say, don't do that. I don't want, you know, two words to end and begin with the same letter. And again, length. So it's easy to calculate length of a string. Syllables I had to manually do. There might be a way to automatically do that. But for every word I added to my list, I'd put how many syllables it add. And then I'd add those up. So I'd have a total number of syllables and then the cost, right? So some TLDs are $40 a year, some are $14 a year, and it varies. Some are more than that. And some TLDs don't even have a standard rate. If it's a single word, they might be $500 a year and they charge more based on how good the domain is. And so you add the price in to the mix. And a lot of that was more manual, but it could be automated. It would add up all of these things and give me a score, I think like zero to a hundred. I would just have it sort it and rank them. And then that made it easier. I'd start at the top of the list and just work my way down based on availability. And then if I got to a point where I'm like, all right, these domains are horrible, I'd create a little, you know, you create a bottom threshold and say, I don't want anything under 70 points. And then it helps you narrow your focus 
you know, in some cases, maybe even you start mocking up a logo, like, can I make these words work together? You know, there's so many variables that come into play because it's ultimately you're naming it. You're not just choosing the domain. Can I use this domain, but name it something that kind of riffs on what the domain is? You might sell bicycles. And so you own bikes.com, but that's not your company. Really just kind of having the computer do some math to help save me time and let me focus in a specific area. And I mean, I think if you help people find the domain and do the right integrations and hook up to the right registrars, you could make it really easy for people to buy domains through you, find more, maybe bookmark them and come back later or save a search and like, well, there's nothing available right now. Can this automatically run in the background and email them if a new domain becomes available? You know, it's not part of maybe the MVP of this, but you've also got the cross-checking of registered business names and things like that, right? Right. That gets more complicated because there's so many databases, right? Every country, every state, um, going through that with Adaptable has been tedious to say the least. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, you know, another part of the problem is you could say, oh, look, this domain is available. Great. You know, you get it, you start putting it on your business cards, all this stuff, but then you go to register it as a business and you find out that you just can't, you know, it's, that's illegal. Somebody else has that name. You can't do it. That's another feature of this, of this process. So we've got a lot about the problem, of course, if it's the struggle of coming up with a creative name and all the sort of roadblocks that you have to foresee and understand, and then sort of some algorithms to get it started as far as revenue generation and income. Do we have any ideas around that? That's one part I didn't dive into quite as much because like I said, I mainly wrote this as a Ruby script. So I thought more about how it would work. Mm-hmm. I think, so you've always got advertising to me, that's kind of the very last option. Although I think given how terrible most companies are becoming with advertising, with the invasiveness and the obtrusiveness, I think there's an opportunity to do tasteful, relevant advertising for something like this. Very specific. You know people are starting a business. You, you have a lot of intent, you know, not necessarily starting a business, but starting something. You know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be like go throw double-click ads on there and call it a day. But I think there's certainly room for sponsorship or support of some sort. Then there's affiliate programs. There's not a lot of margins in domain names, which is a challenge for sure. But affiliate programs could certainly be an option. Again, with affiliate programs, you've got to, you know, it always makes me wonder, are they recommending this product because it's the one with the biggest kickback or because it's actually the best product? So that leads to challenges. So then you come down to, okay, well, people could pay or donate. And donations, probably not going to work. People aren't going to, you know, if they don't have to pay, they won't. Uh, So then I started thinking about, well, what if you could have a subscription? What would make people pay for a subscription for a year? Um, And so looking at, say, Pinboard, uh, which is a bookmarking service, he charges, I want to say, like $25 a year. Very, very nominal fee. I don't know how he pulls it off, but he does. So started there. Could you charge $25 a year? And if so, what could you build into this that would make people comfortable saying, I'll spend $25 a year? Now, mind you, they're going to buy a domain name. Probably they're trying to. So they're at least looking at spending you know, $15 a year up to you know, however much the high end is. And so you think through, well, could I have them save their top five favorite domain names? And then we actively 
riff on it in the background and say, hey, a new TLD became available and your domain's available on that TLD. Um, again, there's a lot of checking going on here. There'd probably be a lot of processor intensive, network intensive things. If you've got thousands and thousands of domain names, you're constantly running checks on every night. There's certainly aspects of domain searching that you could make on a subscription basis that would, that would be more proactive about helping people find that domain, let them know if something becomes available all of a sudden, somebody let it expire, and then you push them an email. It's an ongoing thing. So, okay, yeah, sure, I'll pay $25. There's also, I think, a trust aspect that it could be a huge one. In the past, a lot of domain uh, registrars would do front running which is they let people search for domains and they would audit, they would buy it in the background. And so then the next time the person would go search for the domain, huh. it's gone. Is that So if you didn't buy it right away, is that wow. legal by the way? I, I, that sounds like a weird practice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's never happened to me, but when you research the the domain market, it certainly comes up. People have to trust you mm-hmm. or they're not going to be typing their ideas into you and waiting for responses because they're afraid you're going to go register. Right. So even, yeah, that's something you've got to get over. Yeah, you could. I mean, that also may be a reason people might pay, right? You could say we're, you know, we're absolutely verified 100%. We don't store, you know, your, your searches for our own profit guaranteed. You could have some site up vetting and say, oh, great. So I'll pay for this one because it feels secure. It's very clear. Everything's above board. I think, uh. I think it's, that's a, a possibility for value too. It's a challenge because too, you can't just say I'm trustworthy. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> yes. um, so, you know, there's, there's some challenges there. There's other things too. I think you could potentially get into, because you know, when you've got a domain, you're going to need something else. You're going to need hosting. Um, you're going to need an SSL certificate. You're going to need, you know, a variety of things. So, you know, maybe a company like Netlify or Webflow would sponsor it. You know, so instead of pure advertising, it's more like podcast sponsorship driven type of an approach. And there's a ton of really great tools out on the web um, for things like regular expression building. So they're just simple one page things. They don't do much, but you can totally get a sponsor to pay for that spot. Get $500,000 a month, however much spending on your traffic. Um, so I think there's room to go that model like with podcasts. Yeah, these kind of things are also, uh, you know, in searching for domains on my own, these kind of things kind of can act as a lead magnet, which you sort of indicated, right? So mm-hmm. I've seen s- uh, s- scenarios where they, they'll they say, come up with a business name, you, you start using their little thing and it says, yeah, here's what we came up with. And by the way, it- What a lot of those are right, sleazy. Right, right. Really sleazy about it, right? Like we're going to sell your mailing address so that people can send you advertisements for well, paper clips. So the things that I'm talking about it is more like you you're looking to name a business, it generates some names and then it says, "Oh, actually, you know, here's some here's what we came up with and actually we're a consulting service that helps you with branding, right? And so now you can mm-hmm. contract uh, contract with us and we can help you with the whole process of branding, not just, you know, the the name of your business or the domain name. One thing that's coming up for me, and I'd like to just throw it out for you guys' opinions, um, which you've already given a little bit of, but kind of like a tiered structure. So you have a free version where you only have a few parameters where people can check things out. They can, at least they can see how good it works. Maybe you've got some testimonials on that page too, and even showing some domains that people found through it. Um, so people can start to feel like, oh, this is really cool. This is helpful. And then it says, hey, you know, if you're serious about, about this uh, getting a great domain name. Here's a paid version that you could use for a while and find the thing that you like. 
And then maybe it, it, it could even be a referral service for people who do do like branding consulting, right? So, you know, maybe you, mm-hmm. you get a really great domain name through them, um, or maybe you just even get super close, but you're not there. And it says, hey, would you, we've got some domain name experts. It's going to cost you a good price because these people know how to do what the computers can't, right? There's always that human level that is worth the extra. So it's almost like a, I'm imagining three tiers. One, basic. You get some basic things. It still does pretty great. It's impressive. You get a place to show testimonials and show what it could do. You get people in with the really, you know, really neat algorithm, which does a lot of cool stuff, which you could charge pretty significantly for a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, depending on, you know, how serious people are. And then even the top tier, which is you, you might get some consulting involved in that. And that could be for the bigger brands, right? The bigger brands that really care about getting it right. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could do one-off cost too, right? Like recurring revenue is so nice, but there's plenty of businesses that work with one-time costs, right? So like you give them your search results and half the ranking criteria and say for $5 more, we'll give you the full shebang and you can run unlimited searches for the next two weeks. It seems to me like there would be some power users whom you could charge a lot for. And the majority of people who are tinkerers or hobbyists have small businesses it feels like a, an idea to me where they would be reluctant to actually pay for it. The the tier model that I picture would be free for a limited version and very expensive for the people who are consuming the most resources, really. So that is also aligned with the cost that you're facing in the business. If someone is doing a thousand searches a day or or more, then they should pay more. Do you have a, a sense of how many power users there are out there? I don't know. I didn't get that far. Again, all this stemmed from I was looking for a domain name and I wrote a script that as I the more I added to it, the more features and functionality I added to the script, I was like, this could be a kind of cool website. That's about where it stopped because I got my domain name and my focus has been on Adaptable and, and that kind of thing since then. So that can be an action for our listeners to... Do a little bit of market research on power users for domain names. Mm-hmm. Are there people out there who spend a lot of time searching for domain names, creating them? And if there are, can you uh, attract enough of them who would pay a decent amount for a service like this? And can you sustain a, basically, can you sustain a business based on just power users paying for Right. Like well, and, and I think too, the key thing to think about is what you're actually selling. You're selling time savings and inspiration, right? So who's going to value more efficiently finding a domain? You know, is it somebody who's billing a hundred dollars an hour and they do this once a week and it saves them two hours, then you just made them, you know, $800 a month because searching, you can spend hours and hours, mm-hmm. endless, endless hours searching for domain names. And in that case, Maybe our best target audience would be those branding agencies themselves. And you're the secret power tool in their back pocket that helps them come up with names and brands much faster, much more efficiently, and much better domains than I like anybody that. else can. There's, but it's to think, you know, just how we're saving people time. Who's willing to pay for saving time? You know, and also you have like, you have these big brands, these corporations even, they have already got their 
you know, their domain, of course, say like Chase Bank or something like that, chase.com for sure. But then they're always running sort of promotions or sort of interesting campaigns or something like that, where you go to, you know, chaserace.com or something and, you know, you participate in some sort of uh, promotional thing. Um, There's definitely a space for the larger corporations even that already have their their regular domains. Well, yeah, you could register your brand and then have it keep an eye out as new TLDs pop up or variants of your, your brand's name, you know, for whatever reason. I just want to throw this out there because I can't tell whether we think it's shady or not, but like, <laughs> like, cause, cause, cause Chris even mentioned this is kind of like a bummer or whatever, but it seems like there are people that treat it almost like real estate investing, right? They're going to just find cool domain names, you know, register them and then sit on them until the person that realizes they need it has to come to them. Or I know I, I've even heard of, uh, I forget the guy's name. There's a couple people who actually register the domains and just build a business out of a domain that makes sense. I think it was onions.com or something like that. <laughs> but like, yeah, this guy bought onions.com and all of a sudden he found himself in the onion business just because he got like a really good do- domain name. But uh, what, do, what do we think about serving that type of clientele? Like, is that fine? Like, that's just another form of investment? I mean, I, I think a couple things now. So with .com, those are still hot. But with all these other TLDs, I think it's exciting in that the numbers, at least in my opinion, don't work out as well, right? Because that .dev domain name, unless it's like code.dev, you know, there's not going to be a lot of demand for it. So you've got a lot less temptation to go stock up on 100 TLDs that may never get sold Mm -hmm. because now, you know, it's all speculation. And I think there's enough TLDs now that it's about getting around all the people that are speculating on .com still. Not to say that people aren't on the other domains. .app is obviously a popular one. Plenty of people jumped on those and are just squatting on them, hoping to sell them to the brands that actually own. Because a lot of people have something like Mm -hmm. Sifter. Sifter was sifterapp.com. JD, who bought Sifter from me, I emailed him. I was like, hey, you probably want to pick up sifter.app when it comes out. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks. And he got it. But I know plenty of other people who had an app in their .com and they wanted the .app domain name and somebody squatting one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> eager to right. squatting market. <laughs> that's, that's not... You know, uh, the, not I would almost expect they have something like this of their own. Um, sure. Right. They're monitoring yeah. a million things. This is for people who just need help coming up with a good domain name they can feel good about rather than having to register some garbage domain name that they're like, right. oh, I really hate this, but I couldn't find anything. As an aside, thinking about the future, it seems obvious to me that we're going to move away from domain names, that there are companies out there who are in the business of connecting you with the information that you're looking for. And a domain name is kind of a cumbersome thing that gets in the way of that for a lot of people, especially not technically minded people. Mm-hmm. As voice search becomes more prevalent, as I'm not going to say it because it's going to it's going to go <laughs> off in my room, but Amazon's devices and, and Google's devices become more prevalent. They directly connect you with information. If you are doing a search on Safari, they try and bypass Google search and take you directly to what they consider the mm. top hit. So it seems to Good me point. It, people haven't completely cracked this yet, but the domain name itself is going to not matter 
as much down the line. But I, I think it's still going to play a key role. But yeah, I definitely agree that you, your business can survive without an amazing domain name. Like that's been proven time and time again. Like I said, plenty of companies start with anything they can find. And then a decade later, they go buy their .com for $100,000. In the interest of time here, I wanted to get to some more actions. So one, one action that we talked about was doing some market research. And then we were just kicking around a bunch of different business models. It would be very helpful for someone to, uh, helpful for them to think through what business models make the most sense here and, and come up with some alternatives. What other actions do you think someone could take if they're listening to this episode, they've got a fire in their belly to say, hey, I want to do this. What's the first thing that you would have them do? The business model is the big one, right? So like, is there potentially money in affiliate programs, sponsors, whatever? Um, I think that's the big one. The other one to me that I didn't get far enough because I didn't need to is what registrars are trustworthy and provide an easy enough API that you could validate the availability of these domain names and that offer enough TLD registration services that if you find the right TLD, they could register it. Because, you know, the other thing too, again, you end up with paradox of choice. If you throw five registrars at somebody and say, choose the registrar you want to put your domain with. It's like, well, I don't know. What's the difference? And then they're going to go off researching which one's the better registrar. There's got to be a way to look into the technical side of that, right? So like there's the hosts file to basically download all of the registered domain names list, store it locally. I have no idea how big it is, but surely it's huge. And run your checks against that versus when do you actually run them and actually go do a lookup and see if it's available. Um, I think that's a big technical challenge that would require some research. If you're not technically minded, do you think that this idea is something that you could learn the technical skills to do in a month? Or is this something that if you don't have years of development experience, don't even bother taking it on? There's a couple things. I mean, I think in general, this is a technical problem. It's a lot of programming and ranking and that algorithm can go on infinitely, right? Like look at Google's page rank, right? It's constantly changing and evolving. But at the same time, I think that a lot of this idea is stuff that could be done fairly manually, you know, for the for somebody that wants to and then evolve into a technical solution. You know, I wouldn't go that route, but I'm obviously, I can build it and write the code. So, you know, and I think there's a, a lot of times that people are too quick to go, I'm not technical, I can't do this. Like you'd be surprised what you can do with a spreadsheet and a little willpower. And then if it works, then you worry about hiring somebody who can build it for you, right? Or going that route or learning what you need to know. But I think performance-wise, I have a feeling this would be a fairly complex, lots of moving parts, technical thing. So yeah, I mean, I would lean towards technical, but I think we'd all be surprised by what you can make a spreadsheet do for you. I would ask this uh, to piggyback on Chris's question about action steps and sort of non-technical approach. Is there also like a non-technical approach to validating the idea as far as steps that you can take? People recommend validating things with landing pages. Do we have any ideas on a step that a listener could take to make sure that there's a way of generating money or people have an interest? Right. So, I mean, validating with landing pages is obviously a a common one that is fairly straightforward. There's plenty of landing page builders. I feel like this is one of those things that's almost abstract enough it, you'd want to build like some really rough version of the algorithm to help people do this and let them play with it. Even if it doesn't do anything meaningful or 
make any money or have sponsorship. It's like, all right, add, you know, here's four input boxes for nouns, adjectives, verbs, and adverbs, and then click generate. And it spins them all together and gives you a huge list. Right. And then you start there. And then people are like, wow, there's so many ideas here. I, you know, and then you can get to let people click on them to remove them and like slowly iterate and then let people play with it and say like, oh my gosh, this would be so great. And just make it more convenient. Right. So start with the core thing and then add scoring or whatever and let it get a little more advanced. That Yeah. Way. This is definitely something that has a, a tremendous capacity for just constant evolution, which is, which is nice because like you said, you could start out with something basic as long as you got a few people using it, they can give you feedback and suggestions. You just start listening and implementing what, what makes most sense. I like that about it. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't have a high barrier mm-hmm. to getting started. Right. Like, uh, which could also be a bad thing because anybody could go build it. But again, it comes down to whose algorithm is the best and the user experience of doing the search and saving it and returning to it or jumping off to actually go register the domain. Yeah. The other thing about this is it's kind of like search in that before there was somebody that was good at search, there were just people who were okay at it. But there was a potential for somebody to really double down on it. And make a great business out of search, mm-hmm. which you know was kind of a surprise. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a Google size venture, but it's the type of thing where, hey, if you want to just get obsessed about this and get better and better and better at it, there's probably a potential to build a significant business out of it, just based on the fact that nobody really cares to do it extremely well. And if you care to do it extremely well, you've got something to run with. Yeah. And you don't have to build Google sized businesses, right? You build one business that's big enough to tide you over. And then use it as a springboard. Cool. I love that. I think that's a, a perfect place to start wrapping up here. Garrett, thank you very much for this conversation. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thanks for having me. Listeners, we've given you this business idea. Garrett's been g- very generous with it, telling you exactly the, the problems and the steps that you should take to get this going. Take action and then email us at update at runwithit.fm with what you've done and Everyone who does so will get exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers, be around like-minded people who are getting businesses going. One person who really impresses us will connect you with Garrett for a free one-hour mentoring session, and you can discuss the potential of uh, forming a business partnership with him. You can pitch him, great opportunity to work with someone who has been there before and has sold a business, Garrett. Again, thank you very much. Would love to share a little bit about what you're working on now. One of the things before we started recording that really stuck out to me was in researching your book, you talked about some technical papers, whereas I think a lot of other people would start with uh, you know, browsing the web. Can you talk more about your process for researching and yeah, share anything else you'd <clears throat> like? Right. So that book isn't out yet, although hopefully it should be soon. Um, it was my last project at Wildbit, and it was just about learning about focus and how people, how our brains work and all that kind of stuff. What distracts us? How do we fix that and do better? And there's an amazing number of research papers out there that go into a lot of the deep science and really talk about sleep and sleep deprivation or natural light or the effect of carbon dioxide. I forgot the exact numbers, but somebody said that like after... Six people have been in a closed room for half an hour. The CO2 in the room effectively drops their IQ by like two or three points. You know, so like meetings do really make you dumber. Um, 
<laughs> so it's things like that. Like, you know, when do you need to open a window? There was, you know, there's a whole bunch of tactics and things like that as well. And it's just, it's something that I got way into because as a developer, like the more productive we are, the more efficient we are, the more we're going to get done, the more we're going to be able to accomplish and kind of chase down the things that are side projects that we give up on because we don't have time for them. And so I spent a lot of time researching that and really going deep into reading books about how the brain works. There's just a lot of great stuff out there on all of that. My main book that I just updated about a year ago is basically, if you want to start a SaaS business, software as a service, there's plenty out there about programming and other things like that. But there's nothing that really talked about the operational side. Like what's involved? What are you going to be up against? It kind of gives the big picture overview. And so what I wanted to do is write a book that was for people who were interested in doing that, but had no idea where to begin or were overwhelmed. And to say, here's all the things you're going to need to think about. You don't need to worry about them all right now, but you will at some point and help people have some context and a framework they can live within to say, okay, I can do this. I can start here and do that part and then worry about the rest when I get there. But at least be aware of what it's going to mean. Like just because you built it, you're still going to have to market it, right? We'd all love to, if you build it, they will come and it's not going to happen. So it's important to think about that. Like as you're building it, how am I going to market this? So you don't need to do the marketing yet, but you need to think ahead and be aware of it. And so, and that's actually free to read on the web as well at startingandsustaining.com. And there's a bunch of other things that go with it as well that are for purchase, but the book itself is totally free on the web to read, which is, is one of the things a lot of people gave me a hard time about, but I just, I was like, I want this free for people. I want people to be able to access it regardless of whether they can afford it or not. And really now, almost everything I'm working on is kind of feeding back into Adaptable in one way or another, which is letting me get back coding and get to the point where I can build another app that is there to serve amputees and help them with the tips and tricks and tools and products that will make being active as an amputee more enjoyable, easier. Because every support, every amputee, the combinations are so different depending on, you know, is your dominant leg, your dominant arm, is it above knee, below knee, above elbow, below elbow, one leg, both legs. And then what sport do you want to do? Well, that's going to change things too, because every sport has different movements and mechanics. So really trying to get into that and catalog it so that people can say, I'm a left below knee amputee and I want to snowboard. Boom. Here's a list of 20 tips and products that are going to make it easier on you. Some of them will be totally free. Some of them will be expensive. Like my snowboarding foot insurance doesn't cover things mm. like that. So it's just $3,000 out of pocket. And, you know, I live in a ski town. So for me, it's worth it. But like, if I didn't live in a ski town, I probably wouldn't have that. So it's like, how do I work with my regular foot? Um, and so trying to help people work through that so they can enjoy more things and be in less pain and stay active easier. That sounds great. Yeah. And people can find out more information on that on adaptable.org as we've discussed. Not yet. It's kind of a placeholder yet, but (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's coming real soon. All right. Great. There's been a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Nonprofits are challenging. Yeah. That sounds like (laughs) that could be a a whole new discussion in itself. It is. Yeah. We want to be respectful of your time, Garrett. Thank you very much for joining us here and sharing this idea. It's been a real pleasure. And we look forward to connecting you with some listeners. Right on. Looking forward to it. Take care. Yeah, y'all too. 
Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.